Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Dave, and it is my privilege to continue our series through the book of Mark. And as I shared um, last week in a sermon, there are some certain passages of Scripture, and you read them, and it, it doesn't necessarily jump off the page, the application, but it's more leaves you with questions. And this is another of those passages, right? I mean, what's the question that comes to your mind when you hear that story? Yeah, why didn't it work the first time? The leader of our healing team, of course. Right? Yeah, why doesn't it work the first time? In this fact, this is unique in the Bible. This is the only time that any healing takes two tries. And so the question is, did it really take Jesus two tries? Or is there something more going on here? Because Jesus doesn't have to heal him twice. It's not like he ran out of power. It's not like he didn't have the ability to heal him, and so he tried, and he got him like, you know, 70% healed, and then he needed the other 30% with the second try, right? Maybe he didn't get enough spit the first time. I don't know. But what's actually going on is that everything Jesus does throughout the entirety of the Gospels, everything he's doing, he's teaching the disciples. Everything he does, right? If Jesus wanted to just have the most possibly effective ministry, the Gospels would be a lot different, right? We'd have probably 10 or 15 Sermon on the Mounts. Jesus would just do it himself. He would have been far more effective proclaimer of the Gospel than Peter or Andrew or James or John, Right? Or any of those guys. But Jesus chooses to take three years and invest in these 12 people. And he uses them to build his church. He could have just preached sermons and taught. And he would have had multitudes following him. But the reality is, the church doesn't really grow until the book of Acts. Not until Peter gives the first sermon. And 3,000 people begin to follow Jesus. And so everything Jesus does, whether it's teaching a parable or healing or feeding 5,000 people or feeding 4,000 people, everything he does is to teach something to the disciples. So when we look at this healing this morning, I don't want us to think of it as a healing. It is. But I want us to look at it what it also is. It's a tangible, practical parable that he's teaching to the disciples. And it has tangible, practical application for us today as well. So what is it he's teaching the disciples? Well, we go back and we look at what's been going on, right? He calms a storm. He feeds 5,000 people from a couple of pieces of bread and some fish. Then he feeds 4,000 people the same way. Both times there's leftovers. He heals he teaches. He does all these different things. And yet still the disciples don't quite get it. They're not seen clearly. They still have a fuzzy view. They're, they don't quite totally understand. And so Jesus is using this healing where it takes two tries to show them where they're at. And to show them where they need to be. They need to get to the point where they see clearly. And I think it's it's very intentional that the very next passage of Scripture, the one that Pastor j is going to teach us on next week, is when Peter proclaims, spoiler alert, 
when Peter proclaims that Jesus is the Messiah. And so we're going to learn all about that next week. But they finally then, they finally get it. They finally, for the first time, see clearly. So what Jesus is teaching them is he's teaching them the difference between faith and authentic faith. You see, they kind of get it. They're willing to drop everything to throw aside their life and to follow Jesus. But they still don't fully see clearly. They don't fully get it. And that's the difference between faith and authentic faith. And that's what I want to spend a few moments talking about today. Because just like Jesus chooses to build his church through the disciples, he chooses to build his church through us as well. So we need to get that same lesson. So I think I have my lovely assistant over here. He's going to help me to kind of set the stage for the difference between faith and authentic faith. All right? Don't worry, this is totally safe. We have a doctor. All right. Now here I have a um, handy-dandy blow dart gun. All right. Fully loaded. Who thinks that I can pop this balloon with my blow dart gun? Oh, ye of of little faith. About half of you. All right. Who believes so much that they will hold the balloon in their mouth? Are you going to come up here, Chad? Come on up. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Chad, come on up. Yeah, there we go. All right, let's give it up for our volunteer. All right, we, we don't need our doctor anymore. We'll put him down. All right. All right, so just hold that in your teeth. All right, I think I got it lined up. All right, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I tried seven times, and I've only hit it once so far. So thank you, Chad. Thank you. I would like to just see what would have happened, though. Let's just give it one try here. If I can get the doctor to stand up. And I don't think it's poison. I don't know. Let's see what we got here. That would have been right in the chest, Chad. That would have been bad. All right. Yeah. All right. So. So now we're changing today's sermon. Misguided faith. No, but, but that, that is the difference between faith, right, and authentic faith. Faith is just like, yeah, I believe. Those of you that raised your hand, yeah, I think Pastor Dave can do it. I mean, yeah, he, you know, I think he can do it. And then Chad actually getting up here, I'll hold the balloon in my teeth, right? Because authentic faith demands something. We have to have skin in the game to have authentic faith. And that's what Jesus is teaching the disciples, right? That's why he sent them out two by two. That's why he's preparing them. Because ultimately, he's going to get them to the point where they believe so fully that they can do the work of carrying out the gospel. That they can be sharing the love of Jesus with the world. And so there's a couple things that I think are very practical for us today that Jesus is teaching the disciples here. Number one. And by the way, if you do have a Bible, grab your Bible out, or I'm giving you permission to take out your phone, because that's most people's Bibles today, because we're going to look at several passages of Scripture. 
First one is in James. Because authentic faith produces action. It can't be real faith unless you step up and you put the balloon in your teeth. Unless it's real. James chapter 2. It's on page 1107 in the Pew Bible. Starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if people claim to have faith but have no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You see, what Jesus is teaching the disciples is that when you really believe, you're going to do something about it. It would be the difference in this. Like, the women of our church have kind of gotten together behind this idea of human trafficking. And fighting against it and raising money and awareness. And how can we help end this scourge that is human trafficking? And it would be one thing if they said, boy, that human trafficking is really lousy. I don't like it at all. And that was it. But what real faith is the fact that God has put that on their heart, and so they climb a mountain. And they raise awareness. And they help little children in Bangladesh, in India, all over the world. That's the difference. Real, authentic faith produces some kind of action. That's what Jesus is teaching the disciples. Right? Jesus didn't even have to touch the man's eyes. He certainly didn't have to use spit. He certainly didn't need two tries. But he's showing them by doing a tangible action. The difference between seeing foggy and seeing clearly. Real faith produces action. Authentic faith also requires risk. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is, is maybe the pinnacle of theology in the Bible. So much richness in here. We're just going to read the very first couple of verses and the very last couple of verses. Therefore, verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. In other words, Jesus has taken the biz- biggest risk of all and he's wiped it out. You are no longer liable for your sin. You no longer have to pay the punishment that is death. Physically, we're all still going to die. But eternally, we will live forever with God because He has taken care of that through the cross, through His grace. So the biggest risk of all is taken care of. And at the end of this passage, chapter 8, Starting in verse 37. No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, God has taken away the greatest risk of all. And he says, I love you so much. And no one can take that love away. 
Nothing in your life, nothing in your death. No trials, no tribulations, no bad things. Nothing can take the fact that God loves you desperately away. If that's not a relief, if that's not a joy, if that's not a cause for celebration, I don't know what is. And so because the greatest risk is gone, now Jesus says authentic faith now requires that we take little risks for him. It means when God puts that burden on your heart, you need to do whatever it is. You need to take that leap of faith. When God challenges you to do something, do it. Got a little video clip that illustrates this. That's from the movie Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. And if you saw the movie, you remember the story, right? Uh, Indiana's father has this lifelong quest for the Holy Grail. Seeking it out, researching it. Indiana's kind of along for the ride, but it's not really a believer. And yet at this point, he really has to test his faith and say, does he really believe? Does he really trust that what his father has said is true and right? I don't know why he lifts his foot up so high. It makes me uncomfortable watching it. But he does. He reaches out. He takes that step and he leaps. And that's what authentic faith requires of us. What is the thing that Jesus has put on your heart? What does he want you to attempt for him? That you just need to take that leap and risk. That's what happened with the disciples. That when they fully believed, when they got to the point where they understood and it was clear, they were willing then to take those risks. Before that, right, they're afraid. They're in a boat and they're cowering in fear. They're looking at a crowd and they're like, how in the world can we feed them? They don't get it. They don't see clearly. And then all of a sudden, once it clicks in, they accomplish amazing things for God. Because they take those risks. Because their faith pushes them to action. 
That's what God wants from each and every one of us as well. That our authentic faith would push us to action. That it would push us to taking a risk. And authentic faith ultimately yields fruit. Turn once again to John 15. John 15, starting in verse 1. I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so it'll be even more fruitful. You're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It goes on. But there's one thing that's clear from this passage of Scripture. Authentic faith remains... Ugh. Authentic faith means remaining in Jesus. In other translations, it says abide. I like to think of it as holding fast, right? Have you ever um, maybe approached a young child and they cling to their mother or father? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like they've got the, the kung fu death grip and they're not letting go, no matter what. Right? Charlie does that sometimes when I try to go see him after church. Depends on if he's had his donut yet or not. If he's had his donut, he's happy and ready to go. If he hasn't, he clings hard. I'm not letting go. And that's, that's the picture that, that we're being painted here. Authentic faith means clinging to Jesus. Holding fast to him. And when we hold fast to Jesus, when we cling on to him like that, it produces fruit. Now, the fruit that it's talking about is, is not necessarily mean that you become an evangelist and thousands of people come to Christ like they did with Peter. But it does mean this. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It means when we cling to Jesus, naturally what's going to come out of us is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And self-control. Did I get them all? I thought so. I remembered that song from Sunday school. And when we hold fast to Jesus, that's the fruit that comes out of us. Right? When we cling to Him, that's a byproduct of authentic faith. And so for three years, Jesus is trying to get the disciples to soak up everything they can to hold fast to him, to learn from him, so that when he's gone, they go out. And even then, he says, it's going to be better for you because now you have my Holy Spirit with you as well. And so he says, hold fast to me. And then when you go out, you will do amazing things. You'll, you'll bear fruit because you held tight, because you clung on to me. And ultimately, the truth is authentic faith is all about grace. See, I, I, don't, I don't want you to listen to this message and say, all right, I've got to go home, and I've got to try harder, and I've got to take a risk, and, I, and I've got to make sure that I have all, check off all the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I've got to make sure I'm doing all those things. Because that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have one thing that we're being told to do, and that's cling to Jesus. But what happens is when we do cling to Jesus, 
We cannot help. The more we cling to Jesus, the more we will act. The more we cling to Jesus, the more we will take risks for him. The more we cling to Jesus, the more fruit it's going to come out in our lives. And I promise you this. The more we hold fast to Jesus, the more God will do great and amazing things in and through our lives. Amen. As the band uh, comes back up here and as we prepare to worship you with our hearts once again, Father God, I pray that that you would give us the grace, give us the strength to hold fast to you. In this story of this blind man that you heal not once but twice, you teach us a valuable lesson about faith. Real faith, God, authentic faith is not simply knowing the truth in our head. But it's knowing it so much in our heart that we desperately want to hold on to you. And Father God, only through that then do you work in us to act. You work in us to take risks. You work in us to bear fruit. Father God, may we be so overwhelmed with your love that we cannot help but share that love with the world. Love is why we're here. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen.